Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today I am in this live stream video with seer and scientist Elizabeth Wood. And Elizabeth, I welcome you so much to this fun playground. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This is fun. I'm excited. I love this platform. Thank you. Yes, well, we love this day. And so what a beautiful gateway we are passing into. This is 1212. And oh my goodness, do we remember 1212 of 12? What a remarkable <laughs> time. And look at how far each of us have come. And look at the world, how far the world has come as well. What are your thoughts on this gateway? This is a special gateway because it's leading us to several other gateways coming up here and some alignments that are very precious. So we want to take advantage of that. And today's that sort of celebratory feeling, especially from Mother Earth and her letting us know, oh, children, you're along for the ride. <laughs> is the message I really hear from her um, and and to be patient but to be in that state of um, openness and also a state of wonder and to maintain that state of wonder through this gateway tonight and through the next several gateways will be the key um, because a lot of stuff's going to get tossed up along the way and that's okay but if we maintain a state of wonder, that will make sure that we get through without any of the baggage. And so I'm really excited for that. That's really a precious, special thing she can give us today, this 12-12 day of stay in wonder, be in hope, be in joy, and celebrate these changes and shifts that are inevitably going to be occurring for the earth and all of us. Yes, and... We can let go of the old 3D timelines and the paradigms that keep us rigid and really create newness from this higher platform. We've been working on that this week and we've gone extremely high. This is a time of Christ consciousness and the light of the in the northern hemisphere, the winter solstice is coming upon us. And that's so sacred, no matter where we are on the planet. And so when you speak of baggage, this is a beautiful opportunity for us to leave that baggage at the curbside. Right. <laughs> or send exactly. it to the dump. <laughs> right. See ya. <laughs> It reminds me, um, I was just in Ecuador and um, you know how in America, in the United States, sorry, the United States, we have uh, ice cream trucks, right? And you can hear them down the street. Well, they, their garbage trucks sing. <laughs> <laughs> so the garbage truck sings as it's going down the road. So um, let's take that opportunity. <laughs> Let's take the spiritual singing garbage truck, um, you know, very seriously. This is your chance, right? This is your chance to get rid of all the stuff, the, the heaviest stuff 
all the all the resentment and all the judgment and the attachments and all the expectations and the resistance we forget about the resistance uh that's baggage too yes the resistance okay and i know that when we have ascension symptoms like um since the 1111 gateway people have been reporting dizziness or mm-hmm. um lethargy ah, yeah. so it's interesting and would you say that that is res- um i don't know if it's really resistance to the higher frequencies but maybe it's yeah, not maybe. a flowing of the energies is it where any of the energy gets stuck along the way yeah, there's that. And a lot of times resistance comes up um, because of old memories or trauma. Um, I'll give you a good example. Um, recently, I had a friend do a special prayer on me and I found myself resisting it. And so I'm always very conscious. And I think this is a good way to, to be mentally. I'm in a witness state. And so when I have a reaction to something, it's a treasure. So I said, oh, my goodness, where is this resistance coming from? Uh, This is interesting. So I dug into it and I said, you know, welcome, resistance. What are you made of? And I saw all these memories of when I was younger, when I didn't have a choice about who got to pray over me, right? And so I thought, oh, it's that. I just need to welcome the trauma and the memory of that um, discomfort and welcome it, allow it to dissolve in my field, not denying it, but welcoming it fully and then walking through it. And then the resistance was able to shift and I was able to receive this great blessing from my friend. And so I think it's really key to attend to those things. A lot of times resistance is because of some kind of trauma that's happened. Yes. Okay. And we were talking before we started this show too, and you're going to do a a tour to Egypt. And Mm -hmm. we were saying, you know, when we are drawn to certain, well, you're going there because you've received the directive and you're (laughs) acting on it. And I love that. Um, And more and more of us will be doing that. We're we're receiving the guidance um, pretty clearly these days, but we really have to act on it. And that's the new earth that we're being inspired to draw forward. Um, But we were talking about Egypt and how uh, some people are drawn to places and then some people are not. And both of those those have reasons because maybe Mm -hmm. there was a trauma there that is keeping us. Mm -hmm. Yep, past life trauma is a very real thing. And in fact, it manifests often in the physical form. So um, for example, the other day I was doing a session with a beautiful man in um, the Philippines in Manila. And he said um, he had problems with his heart. And it was very obvious that there wasn't any ob- clear genetic reason. It was a spiritual reason. And some near past life, he had had a heart injury where someone had stabbed him to death. Um even my own husband, um, we we joke around that all the different freckles on his back are where different injuries had happened in different lifetimes, and I really believe that. Yeah, or the birthmark, <laughs> really right? sensitive spots. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, even in my own um, embodiment, there's signs and signals to me that I have this incredibly powerful soul history that comes through. So all of us have that. So a repulsion to a place, you know, I would have never wanted to go to Egypt really necessarily. Um, It's interesting uh, from an anthropological point of view, but I was tasked to go there and go to 10 specific places on the earth to go gather some specific information. And I can't say no to that. And so with this task, I really was like, how am I going to plan a crazy trip like this? Cause we're going all the way up the Nile and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, well, source, I'm, I'm open. I'm willing. That level of willingness is really key as we're walking into this gigantic fifth dimensional gateway that's happening. It's starting on the 19th and it fully opens on the 21st and will continue to be open for three days after that. And so it's a very huge, long, powerful gateway. The alignment of the stars on the 19th are the exact alignment that happened when Jesus and Beethoven were born. So very important day. And these alignments, this sort of understanding around astrocartography, how the star alignments have an effect on the earth, not just astrology, but beyond that even. The fact that the galactic structure around us has an intimate relationship with where the earth is going is really important. And as we walk through that 5D gateway, the possibilities um, will open up as long as the willingness is there. So that willingness is something I've been practicing. And with that willingness, an opportunity arose on its own for this entire Egypt trip to happen. The dates were already planned. The people and the places and the exact things that we needed to fall into place are already happening. I haven't had to lift a finger. It's because of that willingness um, for all of those possibilities, because that's what 5D is all about. It's possibilities, fractaling off and um, showering incredible grace upon people who are open to it. So we've had this divine masculine Christ consciousness mercy envelop us this whole year. We've had a year of mercy, and it's allowed us to shift a lot of armor out of the way, shift a lot of... Um, Things that keep us from receiving, right? So everything from resentment, I always remind people, forgiveness is key here. If you can do some forgiving, you open up an incredible amount of energy in your field. And then you can receive a lot of power and light. Power and light are the same thing, really. But you can receive more. And I mean this in a very literal sense. People will email me and say, why do I have financial blocks? Why can't I find my twin flame? And I'll, I'll always point them back to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a tool. It's a flaming sword. It burns bridges. It burns cords. It burns chains. And when we don't forgive, we literally drag all that stuff with us. And so when we cut that, that's a good place to start. You cut those using forgiveness And suddenly, blam, you have all this open space in your field to receive incredible grace. And that's part of the willingness. Am I willing to fully release any charge on all trauma that I've been through in this lifetime and other lifetimes? 
Am I willing to forgive historical traumas that have happened to the whole human race? I often remind people, look, in your DNA is all the pain and suffering and bondage of our, of our race. And if you're willing to release that and forgive all the way to the edge of the universe, that's going to make more room than you can possibly imagine in your field to receive. So I think that's an important piece here, especially today. We're celebrating, but we're also letting go of anything else that's not serving us. Yes, that's so beautiful. And that forgiveness is a really key part for everyone. So many groups out there. Um, we There is a divide and conquer a program running on high in the collective out there. Mm -hmm. And so if we can remember that, remember this forgiveness in every instant, forgiveness of things that we don't agree with um, and, and forgiving ourselves for being a victim to it, right? That's pretty important sure. as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, very key. Mm -hmm. And so... I want to go back to where you were chatting about willingness and how you were given the directive, because that's a beautiful example of really being in the flow and creating with fifth dimensional energies, because we recognize in the 5D that it is the field of all possibilities mm -hmm. and we can stay focused with our intention and attention and our concentration. Can you share with us a little bit more about how you received the directive that you did? Uh, and sure. what you mean by the willingness <laughs> of it? What was going on? Right. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll condense the story because it's one that I could take hours to tell. Um, but the I started working for my teacher and friend, Lucia Renee, a decade ago. I had finished my master's degree and I still not got any of my answers. Like, why can I see 12 dimensions? <laughs> uh, 10 years of college didn't answer that. Uh, it gave me a lot of the mechanics of why that happens, but the spiritual power behind it why am i called to be an oracle none of that was answered so i found this job and i applied for it to be a personal assistant to this mystic named lucia renee and she wrote the book unplugging the patriarchy um, and the book is simply about how she was led by her teacher to go to different places on the earth, PowerPoints where the elite had plugged a lot of different powerful energetics and mystical structures into the earth, controlling the earth's energy. And she unplugged them. It's quite the story. So I got to work with this incredible mystic and I had never heard of her teacher. Her, his name was Rama, Dr. Frederick P. Lenz. And I didn't know anything about mysticism. And so in the interview that she did with me to hire me, she realized that I was a very powerful psychic, but didn't know any of the rules, <laughs> didn't have any spiritual etiquette, nothing. Um, and when she corrected me on some of the things I was saying about what I can do, she, you know, she said like, well, that's really rude. You're not supposed to do that kind of thing, you know, like reading people's minds, right? 
Um, and, and so I thought, wow, I want to learn from this lady because she knows all the rules. Um, and so then, uh, I started to learn about her teacher and I started to listen to some of his classes and you can find a lot of his free MP3s at ramatalks.com. And so I learned from him and I thought, this guy's really cool. I actually like most of what he says. He's a scientist. Uh, he has a PhD. You know, he's kind of like me. He bridges a lot of different things. He's incredibly well read. And um, then I had this amazing dream. It's probably the most powerful dream I've ever had. And he came to me in the dream and he gained my trust. Long story short, he showed me the state of the feminine and the masculine on earth. And he showed me, you know, the feminine were still rebuilding. They were trying their best to re, you know, bring back alive the ancient ways. And I thought, okay, great. That's going well, it seems. <laughs> and then he brought me over to see the state of the masculine. And it was one of the most painful things I've ever seen. I saw that the masculine was in an existential starvation. And most of the men that I work with would agree that the suffering of the masculine has not fully been assessed. The patriarchy did a lot of damage to both sides. And I was tasked to help heal the men, to help heal the masculine. And of course, certainly, we all have masculine within us, all of us. So this is all part of this bigger picture around the human race. And so then I was open, of course, I was open. And he said, you know, build it and feed them and they will come. And I took that very literally in the dream. So I built, you know, my work around trying to help both men and women bridge and create a sense of oneness, helping people really be able to understand their bodies. All my work has been dedicated to this idea that if I can help bridge science and spirituality, then I'll help be able to heal the masculine. And then last year, I had another vision where he came to me and he brought me to L.A. where he used to teach. And we were floating above L.A. And I said, why did you teach here? And he said, because this is where most of the suffering was in the United States at the time when he was teaching. And he said, go into the quantum energy of this building. And we were above this really old warehouse in LA on near the coast. And so he's, I dropped down and he said, go into the quantum energy of this building. So I did, and I went into it and I, and he said, what do you see? And I said, I see the emotions of the men who built the building. And he said, what are those emotions? And I saw desperation that all these men weren't building this building because they loved the building or the place or the reason why they were building it, but because they were desperate to feed their families. They were desperate to make ends meet. They were desperate to get out of the system that was oppressing them, but they didn't know how. It was very painful. And then he said, now you know that in all of the structures that are made by humankind, most of them being built by men, there are many exceptions, but most of them are physically built by men. And he said, 
Now you know that they all hold very powerful energy at the heart of their being built. So then he took me to 10 places. First, Egypt. And I wouldn't have picked Egypt to go first. In fact, the other day I told Juris, my husband, I said, let's go to Angkor Wat because that's on my list. I'll be there with you. I love that. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, okay. But no, I got to go to Egypt first. So first was Egypt. And um, there's nine other places. And he brought me to one of the, not one of the main pyramids of Giza, but one of the older ones. And he brought me to this pyramid that's up farther north. And he said, now look into it. Now go into the quantum structure of this building. So I did, and I saw something entirely different. These buildings weren't built by slaves. They were built by men who loved what they were doing, who knew that the pyramids would bring prosperity and healing to their people. And they did this with an incredible amount of love. Then he pointed out to me that each of these buildings that I need to go to, each of these places that were built, will have a specific energetic harmonic that is different from each other. And I've learned since that vision that love is not a single frequency, but an entire harmonic that creates the universe. And he said that Rama showed me that there's a map. If I can put all of these different harmonics together, if I can find them, that I can put them together as one beautiful thing, a, a, a process, a bhakti and a yana, yoga, love and discrimination, which are the powers of the masculine and be able to lead people on a new path that will help them to physically build the new earth in a new way. So I'm on it. <laughs> that's the that's the story <laughs> well that was more than a dream that was a visitation in both of those <laughs> instances I mean here you had a very profound dream that you could not forget and then you had the visualization so that's amazing very much you are connected to him he is like a guide of yours I would say yeah he's been an incredible teacher um, and I've learned so much from him Um, the subtleties of what I've learned have continued to unfold and I can only hope that maybe one day I can be that for others. Well, I love again, what you do bridging science and spirituality, because that is what is going to really catch on on the mainstream. People want that science that you back up so much to. And, and really when we're talking quantum, it's only just touching on, the spirituality, what the great sages knew. So exactly, exactly. It's all coming together. I mean, a lot of great people out there doing this work, like Nassim Harriman, I follow him uh, very closely. Uh, Jordan Sather, a lot of different people who do this. And um, I'm part of that age group who is really interested in that. And science is the best tool we have right now for measuring. It's not really a belief system. It's simply a measurement tool. Um, and so I always say, I'm interested in measurable results. Do some of the spiritual things that we do have measurable results? Yes, of course they do. And our, our quote-unquote anecdotal experiences are measurable results. So I break out of that science field a bit because I don't consider anecdotal experiences unworthy of being 
um, important on the plate of measurement. <laughs> In fact, it's the other way around. Because what does science really show us? That the individual consciousness can affect everything around it. We know that because of science. So to dismiss our personal experiences is ludicrous, simply. Um, and so that's kind of where I am a little different than, say, just a straight scientist. Yet I also really want to make sure that the things we're claiming in the spiritual world, in the spiritual community, have measurable results. And that the evidence for that is very key. And then that leads us to better practices more enlightenment, more of our communities and the average people of the world to be able to gain those simple pieces and move ahead and ascend. That's the point and embody this ascension, not just mentally understand it, but to physically embody it is the key at this point. That's what is different now than say the ancient sages. They could mentally skip over all this stuff and go straight to source but they did not embody it. And so that's the difference. Now we're being asked to embody it. The earth is changing. The physical ride into the 5D is not something we are actually giving, get, being given a choice to do. The earth's going. And so we're going along with her. And we signed up for that. And this is a good thing. Um, it's going to always be challenging, but you know what? We learn more from challenges than we do from all the easy times anyway. So yeah. to value, to value that I think is important. Yes. And many messages have come through that through chaos comes unification. And we're starting to see that in a way uh, there is unification coming along with um Native American Indian groups and yeah. that are standing up for what they want to protect in our world and on our planet. So, you know, this goes back to what you were saying in the beginning about forgiveness, how that really um, changes everything. It dissolves something. I mean, it releases us from something. It truly liberates us mm. from a lockdown energy system. Uh so when we're talking forgiveness and science, has there been any science? I mean, that's going to be interesting when the scientific studies on forgiveness come around. Have you seen any studies on forgiveness? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, I think that uh, a lot of them are pretty old. Um, in traditional, like old style psychotherapy, the power of forgiveness and intention and the ability to stay present is one of the, uh, you know, defining attributes of someone being able to move past trauma. And that can be really powerful. Um, so, for example, uh, World War I, they had found that a lot of men had come out with an incredible hatred of the, you know, quote unquote, other side. Right. And a lot of shell shocked folks that were really, really uh, messed up physically. 
um, through forgiveness and um, being able to forgive who they believed was the enemy. Many, many men, especially at that time, were able to heal their post-traumatic stress disorder. This happened in World War II as well. And so um, this is a measurable thing that we can see from the worst of the worst situations, which is always war. Um, and then, of course, watching now, a lot of uh, different women have been targeted during wartime, especially in Africa. And those women coming out of that and coming together as communities, not only to rebuild their lives, but to fully forgive and step into forgiveness. I want to give an example. Rwanda is a great example. When all the, it was mainly the men who were killing um, the people and two tribes had clashed and then it just exploded and they killed like um, over, you know, nearly a million people over a few days. It was an incredible bloodbath. And what was left was all these children who had no parents and all these women. And the women, they came together and they said, we, you know, two different sides of a tribe that had hated one another for ages came together and said, we forgive each other. We forgive all past wrongs. Now let us focus on making sure the children are okay. All the children got adopted by it didn't matter what tribe anymore, they got adopted, whoever they were. They were adopted by all these different women. All the women raised the children. They built their entire society back up from the ground up. And they are now, they have fully rebuilt their entire government and all of their businesses are thriving. They have really great businesses now that are in harmony with the earth. They've completely changed the face of their country. Most of the parliament of Rwanda is female. And so through forgiveness, they were able to rebuild their entire culture there. And this is a really big, important step, too, for women, because if our if the masculine is in such a state of suffering, a lot of us end up having to pick up pieces. But we need to also encourage our men through forgiveness to step up to the plate again and come into equanimity with us so the balance of power can be restored and then we can rebuild this earth from the bottom up. So Rwanda is a perfect example of how forgiveness can actually completely change the face of an entire society from the bottom up. Oh boy, isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. And Really, it's 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 an operative word for what we're going on here in America and what other people in other countries are doing. Forgiveness, yes. people. You know, right now, <laughs> I'm hearing that song from the 60s. Smile on your brother. Right. <laughs> Come on, everybody. <laughs> it's time to love one another right now. Right, love one another right now. One another, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm glad that, that that's come up because song too is another example. Music can help us. I mean, Bob Marley is a great example. He always was calling for people to forgive and to move forward. And um, that's, you know, that, that leads us to, hey, what are you consuming? 
does the music and the media that you're consuming, what is it going to promote in your life? Is it promoting forgiveness? Is it promoting the new earth? Um, Because whatever you feed yourself from the media is certainly going to have a dramatic effect on your embodiment. Your thoughts create reality. And if you're thinking about how you dislike a certain group of people because of what they believe, or you get caught up on Facebook in different debates, Mm. then you'll find that your energetics feel really uncomfortable, full of anxiety. You don't digest things very well. You can't sleep as well. It's, uh, again, measurable results. And when you find like that you're instead you're listening to Lauren Gailey and you're paying attention to the music that you're listening to, all that will change. You'll find your body's going to be affected by it and, and actually respond in a different way. So people, come on, let's sing and dance to <laughs> all the songs that have love inside them. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Thank you for sharing that on your your Egypt tour and and how that came about and how you're following the guidance and just going for it because you're proof again that it all falls into place. It does. It does. So uh, this comes up a lot. People, uh, they know what they want to do. Maybe you Mm -hmm. could shed some light on this. What is a technique for people to really tap in? Um, They know what they want to do but they're not really feeling it in a financial level of being supported in it. Are there Mm -hmm. things that you do? I mean, I do some things too. It's all in the energetics, right? Yes. Um, It's all in the energetics of how we move forward. What would you say to someone who knows what to do, but they don't know what to do on the next foot forward or to feel supported financially? Yeah, this actually leads us into discussion about third eye development because If you're able to, if you know that you have this bigger vision of really what you want um, and you're not sure how that's going to look physically and you've got the willingness, um, what I always do first is I create it. I create it on the inner planes and I visualize it with my third eye. And I create what this looks like. I walk through it. I visualize what it's going to be like unfolding. I And what this does is it gives me a sense of exactly what in detail, in sensory detail, what timeline I want to put my power behind. I call it putting velocity behind a timeline. Beautiful. And when we're playing with the third eye in this way, what we need to do is be able to really fully envision with, and I mean sensory detail, what does it smell like? What does it feel like when you touch it? <laughs> what is it? What is it? What do you hear? Uh, what are the different aspects of it that you're trying to do? So when I was on that visual journey with Rama, I was touching the stones I could tell you what the temperature was outside, how it smelled. I could tell you what I heard. And that was really important because it made me comfortable with the unfolding, with the willingness that I had. Because I was afraid. And fear is important. 
fear is your sign. A lot of times, if the fear is coming from the heart, that's that's a good thing. You want to follow that fear. I had desire, but I also had fear there because I'd not had any experience with that. And so I didn't let my brain mind take over. If it had taken over, it would have said, oh, that's going to be really hard to arrange and blah, blah, blah. Um, but instead, I felt into the energy of it and I I let my third eye tap into divine imagination. You see, there's nothing new that anyone can imagine. It's already been imagined by the source field. So I call that divine imagination. When you let go of your um, responsibility to make it perfect and you allow the source field to let it unfold the way it already is, then you can find that timeline that has the most light and power behind it and let that unfold. Be willing to allow the river to take you to that point. So how do you really get yourself to a point where you can be, you know, feeling things and hearing things at that level? And I want to give people some tricks and tips on how to do that. But first, I want to explain my process around this. So once I finish that full visualization and recognition of what that timeline is, I allow myself to fully embody it. I'm not going to sit here and worry about it. Because if I worry about it, I'm leaking energy. So instead, if you find yourself worrying about how it's going to unfold, you rein your energy in and you say, what's one small thing I can do right now to put power behind that timeline? So, you know, um, for example, uh, around this Egypt piece, I said, you know, what's one small thing I can do right now? Well, at the time, what was coming up was for me to be willing to allow other people to help me. Uh-huh. And because I'm a kind of a do-it-yourself person, and I like to have my fingers in all the pies that have to do with me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I want my energetic signature on stuff. That's mysticism. Um, but... I saw very clearly, I'm not supposed to go to Egypt by myself. (laughs) That's crazy. That's not going to work. We got to do this together. So I allowed, I just opened myself up to that willingness. I could see that unfold. And I said, I need help. I need people who are going to help me plan this and, and come with me. And, you know, who've been there before. And lo and behold, All of those things happened because I was open and willing for that to come in. So being really clear about what's one step at a time, if it's a big step, like I need other people to help me and I'm willing for that, I'm open to it. Or I need to write a paragraph of copy today, or I need to make that quick phone call with that person who said they wanted to collaborate or whatever it is that you need to do. Uh, you know, brush up a photo. Think of just all the little things that you need to get done. Make a nice, clear list and start examining how the energy in the moment will open up for you to be able to check one of those things off because it always will. And once that starts to happen, those are baby steps. You never get anywhere by suddenly flying 10 steps forward 
really. I mean, there really is not any examples in nature where anything like that happens really fast, except maybe a volcanic explosion. Um, <laughs> but or like a holy cow earthquake. But even then, all that had to build up, right? One baby step at a time before an acceleration could happen. So certainly, in this case, an acceleration would literally be me flying to Egypt and then showing up there and saying, wow, okay, here we are. <laughs> but even then, I still have to walk on the earth one step at a time. So staying in the moment is really key, is really my point, and making sure that you know what are the baby steps I need to take. Um, not necessarily being in control of the order that they're going to go in. Or the and, time. Or the timing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this this is my process about how I allow these things to unfold so that, that I am in surrender to the divine imagination and that I can make room for all my work and my power and my will to be able to be in service of that divine imagination. Um, and so that's what my uh, steps look like when I'm allowing something to unfold and I'm not sure, but I know I got to do it or I want to do it. Um, but it is, it takes practice because then you know you're not really the one in control. <laughs> Um, and you're allowing, you're allowing things to occur, sometimes things that are really surprising. And then they're very beautiful how they can unfold. Sometimes really big challenges arise. But if you value them, then you're going to end up in something even better. Some huge door will open because you passed the test, right? You valued the challenge, you valued the problem, and you turned it into an opportunity, the old Chinese adage, a crisis is also an opportunity. It's true. So that's what that looks like. And um, what do you think? Shall we talk about some of those steps to help people really get into that visualization process? Or would you like to share what your process is? Well, I just love that process. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to get to your third eye development because I know people really want that. But it's really comforting to hear um, that we we visualize it and we let it go and we allow it to come forward when we're in surrender and you know you mentioned you can't really take 10 steps forward you don't have to take a giant step but the magic in the one step like mm -hmm. with one phone call can actually take you 10 steps further so mm -hmm. it's beautiful thank you and it really is being present uh and and operating from the heart with integrity and following the directive. You know, when we get quiet in that quiet space, we get the downloads. It's yeah. just a matter of acting on those downloads too. I mean, I've got journal after journal where I should be <laughs> taking a little <laughs> bit more action, but it's good. You know, sometimes it's like the dream that came to you. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just have something going over and over in my head. And I realize mm -hmm. that's the guidance right there. And now it's starting to prod. So we might as well follow it and start taking those little action steps. So thank you again. We hope that's really comforting for all who are empowered and impassioned to create new earth because next year, 2019, 
feels really powerful for everyone stepping up in a whole new way. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I absolutely agree. Good. All right. So third eye development. We've talked about this before with you, and it's a hot topic because mm-hmm. it really is our inner compass. So yeah. let's talk about that and how we can really fine tune it or advance it. Yeah. So first I want to be clear that my perspective on the third eye is different than most people's because having been a full blown psychic without a whole lot of choice in the matter and then going into science really for selfish reasons <laughs> to, to try to well, figure you were out trying why. To prove what you were seeing, right? You were trying to not just prove it, but find out like, why can I do this? Why am I capable of this? Is this an attribute of humanity or am I just super weird? But and, you didn't learn it in science. I find that fascinating. But science <laughs> brought you all the way back around to spirituality, right? That's right. <laughs> so what I did learn in science is that I'm not weird. <laughs> that lots and lots and lots of people are like me. In fact, most human beings oh. have a capacity for psychic ability that it's actually what I would call the spiritual capability of the brain mind, the brain, the heart, and the gut are our three brains, and they all have a different spiritual capability. When you combine them, you have full body discernment. So I've learned the hard way. I can't depend 100% on my third eye. I can depend 100% on my seeing my psychic ability, my feeling and my knowing. So the heart field allows us to feel energy and the gut mind is going to serve us with divine intuition and knowing. So that intuition is coming from the gut bacteria that tell you how to live in harmony with the earth. So if something's not going to help you survive in harmony with the earth, then the gut bacteria is going to let you know with divine knowing and intuition that that's not safe. And everybody knows what that feels like, the feeling in your gut that you got to leave that place or whatever. And then feeling into energy. So all these, those years, I hadn't really developed my heart and my gut's abilities. I had a full-fledged, full-blown third eye that was very capable. But whatever you see doesn't necessarily mean that you've embodied it. So even though I can see many dimensions, doesn't mean I fully embodied them or felt into their energy fully. And sometimes what we see, for example, I was approached at one point by an um, what I thought was an angel. And if I had been feeling into that energy, I would have known that that was not an angel, mm-hmm. that I was being approached by something that had a different agenda. But I didn't. I didn't feel into it. So I want people to know the third eye experience, psychic development really goes as part of a whole process of discernment. And that that's only one step into being able to discern. So if you're already feeling energy and you're already in, you know, knowing things, that's great. That's really important. If you're all psychic and you're not enough feeling and knowing then you're going to get into lots of trouble like i have so (laughs) 
So the the process of developing the third eye, I always let people know, look, there's a disclaimer here. This is only one of the three divine human spiritual capabilities that we are all called to use. So everyone is psychic. I'll prove it. So basically, if you can read a book and imagine what's in that book, then you're using your third eye. Any function of the imagination is a third eye function. So that's my approach. Now, it's also a muscle. It takes practice to feel into energy and to understand it. It takes practice to trust your gut knowing. It takes practice to start to allow your third eye to experience energy outside the self. The third eye can work internally and externally. And most of the time we're trained to use it internally. I can say, Lauren, think of a tree and she'll imagine a tree. That's a function of the third eye. Lauren, can you imagine peace on earth? Well, that might be harder, but it's still possible. Well, that's a function of the third eye too. So anything that you can imagine is a function of that third eye. If we know that that's true, then that means that you can perceive energy externally, but you got to train that muscle to do so. Now, most of us as children, we're already doing that. But what happened? Well, our societies have these crazy programs around imagination, the shutting down of psychic ability, ability to feel energy, ability to trust your own knowing. Those are all purposefully shut down because good slaves don't use those capabilities. So you're not a slave. We're not slaves. That means that we need to drop any of the programs that stop you from being able to use your third eye. The most common one is I'm, I'm just making it up or I'm crazy. I hear that a lot. So we need to bow to those programs and say, thank you for trying to help me. I require you to shut down now. I am the soul in charge. I have a different plan. My plan is to fully embrace my physical capabilities. These are physical capabilities. They're not just spiritual. These are the way our bodies are wired. So with that, when we erase those programs, when you're trying to do some of the tricks and tips that I suggest, you might find that you're finding yourself saying, I'm just making it up. It's not real. It's just my imagination. Those are the things that you're going to say, oh, thank you. Thanks for trying to help, but I need you to go away now. <laughs> and so your brain's going to listen to you because if you use gratitude, those programs pause right in their tracks. So once you're really on top of it and you're willing to start practicing using your third eye externally, I'll show you how you can trick your brain into letting your muscle actually do that. So we want to do what's called mind vacations. If this is basic remote viewing. You've probably already done it. <laughs> so if you see a picture, for example, of a place you've always wanted to be, right? So, um, for example, uh, Lauren and I had been chatting about Bimini and, and uh, dolphins oh. at one point. So I went and I looked at pictures of Bimini, right? And I was imagining myself 
on this little island because I had seen all these pictures. And so my brain realized, oh, this is a real place. It's a real place on Earth. This is safe. It's a 3D place. Well, you can do this with any place. So let's just um, let's pull up a different place. So like, for example, a New Schwanstein Castle. One of the first places I'd ever seen a real ghost. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was like three or two or three when we went there. I have vivid memories of uh, meeting the poor king who was killed in that, uh, murdered in that castle. Oh, really? really, really crazy place. But it's a beautiful place. It was meant to be like a fairy tale castle. So if you were to go and look at lots of pictures of Neuschwanstein, for example, then you get a sense that your brain is like, okay, this is a real place. I'm comfortable with this place. Then you'd go into meditation and you'd imagine yourself walking up to Neuschwanstein. What is the temperature outside? What does it smell like? What do you hear? What do you smell? As you turn the corner, does the temperature change? Do the sounds and smells change? What does it feel like to run your hands on the walls? As you go through different corridors, what do you experience? You're asking yourself sensory questions, and you're not trying to control what you see. You're just wandering around and having some fun. Let's say it's a tropical island. Well, you can wander around wherever. No one can see you, so you can go wherever you want. Let it unfold. It's a beautiful little town in Spain. As you turn the corner, do you smell food cooking? Who's cooking the food? Go find out. You never know exactly what you're going to see. This is remote viewing. And all of us can do this. We do already. We've already imagined ourselves on a beach. We've already done those sorts of things. We see a picture in a magazine and immediately you start imagining yourself there. This is something that's natural. So you'll find that it's quite easy to do the mind vacations. Make sure you're picking a variety of places. Toss it up a little. You know, go to the top of Everest if you want. Um, you know, discover what's up there. Be able to see the view, whatever you want. And then you'll find that this is more and more, e uh, it comes with more ease and that your brain won't fight you. And you're not necessarily going to hear the, I'm making it up, because you didn't. You just literally saw photos of it. <laughs> so you didn't make it up. In fact, remember, you can't really make anything up anyway. So, <laughs> um, so that's the first step. Once you feel comfortable doing that, then you're going to create your own place. And where are you going to create this place? Well, it's the fourth dimension. So take elements of things that you like. Um, take take your beautiful castle, make it pure crystal white, if you like, and put it on a beach. And then make sure you know exactly what flowers are going to line the walk. Make sure you know what temperature it is outside. What does it smell like as you walk up to the doors of the castle? What kind of wood is that door made of? And what are the carvings in it? Don't miss on the details as you walk inside, do the smells change? Does the temperature change? What embroidery is on the pillows of the Chez Lounge? <laughs> so don't miss out on all those fun details. What exactly is 
anybody going to eat in this castle anyway? Are you going to have an entire room full of tropical plants? Go for it. And so anything you want. Now, obviously, these are elements that exist already in the 3D. So your brain's really not going to fight you on it. And then you're going to start throwing in things that don't exist in the 3D. Have you always wanted a pet dragon? Well, what does a dragon smell like? What does a dragon sound like? Is it intelligent? Is it going to talk to you? Or is it like a pet where you have to, you know, let it out the back so it can go pee in the rose garden? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, if you want a pet unicorn, well, what does a unicorn eat? What does a unicorn sound like? What does it feel like when you pet one? What does it smell like? You know, maybe the unicorn happens to end up smelling like bubble gum. Who knows? So this is your place. This is your own magical place. I have an entire kingdom. <laughs> I have I have so many places. I can't even tell you how many places I wander around. These are my special places. I go meditate in my Victorian rose garden with some of my frozen children that I've set up there so they don't have to live in any trauma anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I make sure that all the different parts of myself that needed something were able to receive what they needed. And I made places for them to be able to receive. So it's really important to consider all the different elements you want and to really play with it, spend time doing it, make notes about it and enjoy it. You'll find that you can do it on the fly. You can be in the grocery store line and go hang out on the beach in Bimini if you want, or you'll go into your beautiful castle and pet your dragon, whatever you want to do. All of these are real. People say, oh, it's not real. How do you know? We don't have any proof that's not real. It's actually the other way around. We have a lot more evidence that these things that we create in our uh, through our spiritual will on these other dimensions are very real. They have measurable effects on your life. And it's very important to be very clear about what you're doing on those planes. What tools are you really creating and why? Just like as you're making things in the 3D, yes, it takes a lot more work here to do that. To build a castle, it takes a lot more work. In the spiritual 4D, it does not. It's an instantaneous thing. Be wise about what kinds of energies you're using and how you're using them. What tools do you really want to use and how will you utilize them in the 3D as well to serve yourself? All this is meant to serve you. I go on mind vacations to my beautiful places in the 4D because it relaxes me. It gives me a a different place for me to go into deeper meditation other than the 3D. So it's a very useful tool to work in the 4D, being a creator, utilizing what's available in divine imagination. That's what you're here to do and why you're experiencing linear time versus the way time really is. Linear time is your gift to be able to do all of that and have those experiences. So those are the two first biggest steps you can be using to play with your third eye. And then you can start to invite your guides in. Notice I didn't say anything about guides at this point. 
because you're not going to just go into the fourth dimension and wander around. You wouldn't go just wander around wilderness by yourself. You're going to get, you know, eaten by a jaguar. (laughs) So you got to be wise. You got to be careful. You got to be prepared. And this is how you prepare. You create your own place that's tied to your personal will so that you're not just off doing any random stuff, opening random doors. No, no. You want to be very conscious of what you're doing on the spiritual realm. And then you won't attract anything weird. So once you have established your place, your safe place, then you can ask your angelic guides and your star family guides and your elemental guides, your nature guides, your spirit animal guides to come join you. And how do you do that? You simply imagine them there. If you imagine them there and you welcome them to take that form over, then they will change it to what fits them. So, for example, if you want to invite one of your angels to visit you and have an angel party at your new castle, then you're going to imagine an angel in front of you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It could be a big, huge, tall guy with armor and wings, if you like. But what you're doing is you're imagining an energy. It creates a doorway. And then that angel can come into that form and that form will change. And then you will see the true form of your angel. And that change will be something you're not trying to control, but you're welcoming the angel to walk through that door you've created with your imagination. Remember, many of these beings live in an entirely different dimension. So you really must have a doorway for them. And then they'll be able to come in more easily. So that angel form might look more formless and might have more um, abstract energy that is coming through. You're not trying to control it. You're just welcoming a specific being to come visit you. This goes for everybody. So, you know, if you're welcoming one of your angel friends, um, that's fine. And then maybe a fairy friend. Well, you got to imagine your fairy friend there and then the fairy friend will come and take over that form and shift it, change it to whatever they are going to actually be. So a fairy might not really look like a little naked lady with wings, (laughs) but, but if that's how you imagine fairies, that's how you imagine fairies. And then the fairy will show you what she really looks like. So being open to that. Um, obviously imagining animal spirit guides might be a little easier because that form isn't going to change as much. So if you have trouble with it, start there, start with a familiar animal friend. Even this, this can even go for your friends that passed on, like all of your pets that, that have left. You can imagine them there and they can come and spend time with you again. This is the beauty of the fourth dimension. It's such a special place of co-creation and it's a really great place for beings that aren't in the 3D to be able to come in and visit you. And so that's one of the beauties of using your third eye is that you're then also opening doors to new friends to learn from in a much more visual way, not just feeling them there, not just knowing the messages, but being able to really see them too is very valuable in its own way to learn from them. 
So these are the three steps that work the best and that have had the best measurable results from all the thousands of people that I've helped work with their third eye. Those are the three steps that work the best. And why would we want to do this right now, especially? Why is it this about new earth and not just in general? Because as we go into the fifth dimension as in a very physical way, all of the stuff that we're experiencing is going to get weirder. <laughs> so the party's going to get stranger. Don't let that sneak up on you. You have a place already within you from the soul level where you can access all of the wonders and the magic of these dimensions. So start now with the fourth dimension so that this stuff doesn't sneak up on you and that you're starting to see stuff, you know, <laughs> and you're not, and you're going to feel freaked out. Don't, don't end up in that situation. Prepare yourself for what 5D really is going to be like in a very physical way. 5D can be a very confusing place. You know, they, there's been pockets of 5D on the earth in ancient times even, and people would be lost. Ancient stories about how someone suddenly appeared like a year later. Where'd you go? Well, what do you mean, where did I go? I just was gone for a few minutes. No, you were gone for a whole year. What? <laughs> they got lost in the 5Ds, what happened? Because it's incredibly interesting. When you look at, say, a lamp, then you can see all the possibilities of a lamp. Obviously, I've been there. So <laughs> you can see all the possibilities of a lamp, not just a single lamp. And that can be endlessly interesting. What are all the possibilities of a lamp? They're really, truly, actually endless. Uh, you know, so imagine extrapolating that to an entire planet. <laughs> That's the fun part. But it can be very confusing, even maddening, if you're not ready. And so I want to help people prepare, prepare spiritually, prepare physically, mentally, for it to get more strange, for it to get more amazing and more wonderful instead of scary. And so using your third eye in this way today, tomorrow, right away, you'll start to already be prepared so this is spiritual preparedness, not just third eye development. Really validating the imagination, really owning the imagination and steering consciousness. Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Thank you for those tips. I hope people took notes on that because I know many will be taking these images or looking <laughs> at images of their favorite places and then just going there. I'm going to go to Tibet actually. Oh yeah, man. Wow. I like going to Tibet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love how you create the sac sacred space as well with the conscious will. And then you invite in the energy of the guides and it's yeah. a doorway so thank you. That's very beautiful and but, helps money. Yeah, I hope so. It's been really powerful to watch the measurable results from people who normally are very frustrated. 
And then they come in and they want to know, what can I do? I, am I blocked? Am I, am I broken? <laughs> and then we get them on a path where they can start to use their beautiful natural gifts. And that's such a reward to watch that unfold for people who've struggled for a long time with the third eye. And really important because, as you said, when we're moving into the fifth dimension, that's how it operates. So mm -hmm. get ready to dream it. Uh, that's why we are told by the great teachers and the mystics as well to hold our vision of new earth, to simply hold that vision. It will come about and we dream it into being. That's and right. We don't need to be locked into the 3D rigid timelines anymore. There's liberation from that. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. Well, I would invite our listeners to ask Elizabeth a question. We are streaming on YouTube and you can ask a question there or you can ask a question on our website here at AcousticHealth.com. Right now, Elizabeth, I want to have you share on the incredible teachings that you do. While we're waiting for some uh, comments to come in, you work with people one-on-one -on -one and you are extremely popular and you are full, but you've got a special offer where you have created a smaller, uh, not a smaller, because a lot goes on in the 30 minutes, but in a 30 minute window, you can interface with folks and mm -hmm. you can help them pretty quickly and straight away. So yeah. share a little bit about your special offer because it's pretty um, inclusive of a lot of things that you teach. Yeah, because I, I've taught so much and the amount of classes is, is staggering sometimes to me. <laughs> I'm like, how did Thank that happen? Uh, <laughs> but in the, yeah, absolutely. In the special offer, I'm including all of the best teachings I've done over the past year. And a, a lot of times, a lot of questions can be answered from those. It's in that 30 minutes, I always tell people, hone it down to one or two questions, um, which is very important because that is very helpful for you. If you can really look at, say, what do I need most right now? How can I use Elizabeth's skills the best? Then it's not going to be, um, you know, someone showing up and saying, well, I don't really know. It gives people what do you a chance. Yes. Right, exactly. Um, because that isn't an efficient way of using my skills. And I'm here for you to utilize my skills. That's the whole point. So one of the things I like to say is, look, if you need a health scan, I can help you in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes, if you name off what's wrong, we can look at it and I can give you natural options that you can try and that you can see if those resonate with you and lead you on a path to healing. Um, and so I'm interested in empowerment. That means that my job is to make sure you don't need me. Now, one of the things that people don't realize in my sessions is that I don't just leave you after 30 minutes and then, you know, give you a couple of things uh, to do for yourself and that's that. It's not like that at all. In 30 minutes, we can cover a lot of bases. I can teach you some quick tools you can use right away, but I always, one of my signatures is that I always send people an incredible amount of resources. You should see my resources um, 
page that my assistant uses. It's like six or seven pages long with 10 fonts. So that's, I have a huge amount of resources and I do a lot of studying. I do a lot of work to keep up to date on all of the new medical findings, on all of what's going on in quantum physics and cosmology and you name it. So when, when you come to an oracle, you need to be prepared with a very clear desire to get specific information. So I've narrowed it down to 30 minutes in order for you to be able to use that to your advantage. So, for example, if you need to know exactly what your soul skill sets are and how you can use them to create a business, I can give that to you in 30 minutes and make sure that you're set up for success beyond that 30 minutes. So most of the people that come to me are really surprised, and I don't want them to be surprised anymore, that I end up giving them an incredible amount of resources for them to continue on beyond my classes. So that's really key. You're coming to me as an oracle to get really clear about a particular block in your life, and then you're going to receive an incredible amount of information from the living library. And it goes beyond that 30 minutes. So with my seeing, I can see a lot of layers, but it works more effectively if I have a framework that I'm coming in with, like source, show me exactly what's going on medically with this person and these five things that are wrong. Is there a root cause? What can they do about it? Source, show me exactly what is blocking this person from being able to find their true twin flame soulmate. Source, show me what this person needs to do next in order to be able to build their business and take it to the next level. I want to come to Source with a clear set of questions. So that is why it's 30 minutes. But it's as efficient as we can be with this kind of oracle energy and gift that I have. Furthermore, 30 minutes will get you in on my calendar way sooner than an hour right now. <laughs> so uh, if, you know, if someone comes for an hour, um, they're going to have to wait a lot longer than if they had a 30 minute session. So that's another reason why I don't want people to have to wait. Sometimes I'm booked out for many months and people get frustrated because they have needs that, that they need to have met. Um, a lot of those needs can be met with a lot of the classes that I'm offering in these packages. And they're classes I've taught on this platform, but they're basically all the knowledge and wisdom on I've got. I've picked those topics because they're the hottest topics. After thousands of sessions, it's really clear to me what comes up and what people need. So that's what I teach to. I never come up with a topic that I haven't had a lot of need already come up around that topic. So, for example, this weekend is all about pre preparation. I'm taking a, a, a huge broad view on preparing for New Earth. And saying, all right, we need to be able to be physically prepared. 
and my father happens to be an expert in preparedness, um, disaster preparedness. And so he's already had that all written out. My father and I are working on this ebook that we're working to get everybody before Sunday uh, together. So that's been really valuable. And then I'm also coming at it. Well, what do you need to do to emotionally prepare psychologically and emotionally prepare for changes in your life? How can you also spiritually prepare? What about long-term changes? How do you, how can you implement long-term strategies if there's no electrical grid? You know, what do you do? <laughs> how do you make sure that the society doesn't end? It's not necessarily about fear here at all. It's the opposite. If you're prepared and you're running through all these things with your imagination, which is key here, then you're going to feel fully prepared and then nothing's going to suddenly surprise you. So we don't want any surprises. And I took this very seriously as a task to say, we need to prepare for anything. We don't know the future. And that's important from a psychic level. I don't know what the future is. At the same time, I can see billions of timelines. On one end, there's all these worst case scenarios. On the other end, there's best case scenarios. I can't even tell you what the probability is of any of these scenarios. I just know that they're all there and that if we are prepared for the whole gamut, then we're going to be awesome. So that's something that I've been seeing coming up. People are saying, what if the monetary system fails? What if the electrical kit fails? <laughs> and I said, oh, this is familiar. This is something I've been doing my whole entire life with my family. So let's take it to the next level. Let's take it to the spiritual community and actually show them how to do this right. And so it's my pleasure to be able to address that need that's come up. Another need that came up recently was polarities. How do you heal polarities? Polarities are everywhere. Fear versus desire or, you know, perfection versus imperfection, control versus lack of control. Why did this come up? Because hundreds and hundreds of people came for sessions and said, I'm so afraid. I feel so worthless. I'm also afraid of being arrogant. That's a polarity, worthlessness and arrogance, victim tyrant. This is coming up all the time. So I said, well, how do we how do we heal this? And I worked with hundreds of people to help them heal. And then I taught it in a workshop <laughs> so that all that knowledge from all those sessions, hundreds of people that came before gets poured into those. And then that's why you don't necessarily need me for an entire hour. So if you have access to all of it, you're going to get that incredible body of knowledge that was based off of the healing work that other people were doing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's measurable results. I don't teach it unless it has measurable results anyway. <laughs> so I think that's why I like this package. It's the richest I've ever made. And it's so chock full of information and value that I think that it's, it's something that you can be using to fully prepare yourself. It's a full package for preparation in of itself, I think. So I'm glad to be able to offer that. 
And we're glad that you offer that and made yourself available for those shorter sessions that people can get in sooner than later. Yes, you've done a full body of work here and it's exquisite. So thank you for that. I want to take a couple of questions now and I want to share that you look like with the halo of light behind (laughs) you. (laughs) It's like your mother Mary or Mary Magdalene. That's a really sweet compliment. Thank you. And I'm not the only one. There's some comments coming in over our chat line on that. Okay. (laughs) Um, All right. This, you know what? This is a common question. Davina says, happy 1212 Gateway. Would love to know how would I be able to serve the collectives aligned and fulfill my purpose mission here in this lifetime? Feel it's time to step out. So that's Davina. And so anyone that resonates with that, I'm sure your message will resonate with them as well. Good. I'm glad. So the purpose piece, that's a common question. What is my purpose exactly? How do I align with it? And I always point out the purpose of every fragment of consciousness. I'm a fragment of consciousness. My cat is a fragment of consciousness my horse, the trees outside. Every fragment of consciousness is here with the same purpose. The experiment that created this universe, and so if we know that there is an experiment that actually created this universe, then that gives us a clue of what other universes might look like. This experiment was, what is love? And love turns out to be far more complex than we could have ever imagined. In fact, it's so complex that it required an entire universe of study. (laughs) So that's really important for us to remember. The purpose is the same. What is different is that each of us has our own skill set that we're bringing in. So each ray of light, each fragmented ray of consciousness coming from source direct source being far beyond this universe coming from source direct has its own nuanced aspects because in a good experiment you're not going to do the experiment only once so each of us is in fact our own miniature micro experiment in what is love And when you come in to do that experiment, you need to have different sets of energies in order to cover all your bases. Again, this is so complex that we need an entire universe worth of consciousness to cover these bases. So each of us has our own specific energetic that allows us to be able to discover that question, what is love in our own lifetimes? And certainly our soul has its own history. So this has been going on for a long time with your thread of consciousness. Now, if you're able to understand and unwrap what those skills are, then that can really help you to be able to make sense of what is really the thing that you're meant to align with. So for example, I'm an oracle, I'm a healer, and I'm a warrior. And I use the Oracle skill set as my main skill set, but I use the healer and I use the warrior when needed 
at this point, I've even dropped any attachment to those skills so that I can be accessible in every way to all skills. And that's something we're all capable of. That's dissolving identity. That's a step into oneness. Not everyone's called to do that exact thing. But if you're aligning with your skills, that's something you need to ask yourself. And how do you know what your skills are? What do you really desire the most? If you're listening very carefully to your own desires, those skills will unfold. You don't necessarily have to have names for them. But your desire is what will drive you into new experiences where fear will come up in the heart because the heart says, I don't have any experience with this. And that's how you know you're on the right track. So fear is really valuable. It's the other side of the coin of desire. If you're desiring to do something and afraid, then you're on the right track. Keep going. <laughs> because that comes up yeah exactly Um, can you explain a little more about fear in the heart versus in the mind yeah so fear in the mind usually is around the different pros and cons because fear in the mind it's based in pros and cons and those pros and cons are not always a good measure of reality because those pros and cons are based off of your own cultural experiences and a lot of those are trauma, trauma, traumatic um, and based in negative programming. So that's only one way to be very clear about your own personal desires. You need to be assessing and having a, an ongoing conversation with your heart and your gut regularly in order to fully discern. I taught an entire workshop about this called full body discernment about how do you actually make really good full body choices in life? And how do you know when something's true or not true or yes or no? So the heart, you know, if the heart's afraid, it's simply because the heart holds perfect body memory and the heart's saying, I don't have any measurable experience with this. So I'm not sure. If the gut is afraid, then get out of there because the gut's there to help you survive. If the mind is coming up with fears, it's often because they're based in perceived pros and cons or different kinds of cultural elements that have come up in your lifetime that the brain hung on to. But you got to remember, the brain is, is not the seat of perfect memory. The brain magnifies stuff and it erases other stuff. So it's not always reliable to make full decisions with. It's really good at pros and cons and keeping track of transactions. That's what the brain's really good for. (laughs) So, So just be conscious that you need to have a full body experience in order to know what your true soul level desire is. It's not just from the brain. Um, so that's key. And then when, once you've figured out what do I really desire, then the next question is, you know, for Davina, she said, how do I, how do I help the planet right now the most? Well, I'm going to tell you what my dad always told me. He said, if we can keep the most vulnerable healthy and happy, then everything else will fall into place. We need to build our new earth around the health and value of the most vulnerable on this planet. 
who are those? The animals, the children, the disabled, and the elderly. Those are the most vulnerable. If we build our society around taking care of them, then everything else is going to work out. The new earth and mother earth has always made sure to take care of the most vulnerable. In fact, that's exactly what this entire universe naturally does. And if we can do that as a species, then we will be able to rise up to that amazing level that we're called to, to be emissaries of compassion and love all over the universe. We're meant to travel all over the universe. And if we're going to be able to get there, we got to start there with the most vulnerable. So if you're wondering, how can I best serve the planet? Ask yourself, where are the most vulnerable around me? And go start there. That is so beautiful and so empowering. And that's true service. That is service. Thank you for that. All right. Well, I want to say that you have your next online workshop, online healing retreat coming up this weekend, Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a connection to that at AcousticHealth.com on your show page. And there's a link to your special offer. That course is included in your special offer. Again, another course that's great. And that's a beautiful package for people to enjoy. Maybe just the course or everything including a personal session with you. So now let's talk about this question coming in. I don't know who it's from, but let's talk about how we can imagine co-creation work with Mother Gaia and the New Earth Dimension. How do we bring in Mother Earth and the New Earth Dimension in our imagination? Yeah, I think that's important. So first, We need to be very conscious that these bodies, you know, yes, they've had some meddling over the years, but these bodies evolved from Mother Earth. And so these bodies are naturally wanting to survive in harmony on the Earth. And that is something that you can always tap into. Mother Earth speaks through your body. She speaks through the bacteria of your body, those ancient beings that have been here far longer than us. And they're very intelligent. Don't underestimate their intelligence. In fact, we just learned recently that our brains are not sterile at all. They have bacteria in them that help run things. That's Mm -hmm. how important these guys are. They're running your body machine. In fact, if we suddenly freeze dried us, most of that weight, wouldn't even be your own DNA. It would be bacteria. So that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you're already deeply in, in connection to mother earth. And the next piece is when you're helping to co-create with mother earth, you know, she doesn't really need us. (laughs) It's the other way around. We need her. So if we're going to ask what we can do for her, sometimes the answer might not be anything. 
I asked the other day, I said, you know, dear Gaia, show me what I can do for you today. And I said, just be. That's what I heard. Just be right now. Just be patient Mm. because you're along for the ride, daughter. (laughs) Um, So sometimes as we co-create patience and just being and working on ourselves and our emotions and getting all that baggage cleaned up, that's the best thing you can be doing. When you're doing co-creative work, say, on the inner planes with your imagination, well, certainly you're co-creating and putting velocity behind certain timelines, you're considering always at the very, very foundation of it is what I'm imagining working in harmony with the earth. Well, the earth, just like everything in this universe works with three laws. Well, it's actually four, but the fourth one is um, a law that is very interesting because it's not as active as the other three. So the three laws that we, that are the most active creation, we know that preservation and destruction, these all come from ancient texts. And then there's integration because all three of them work in equal terms. That's like the Holy Trinity of this universe is those three laws. So mother earth is working with those two. You can see it in the way that a tree functions. A tree never has any waste. I was shown an interesting vision today in a session where a beautiful dragon came and showed the the lovely woman a beautiful tree and said, all the different systems of the earth will have to match the same powerful systems that, for example, a tree takes part in. And that tree, it never has any waste. Go look up cradle-to-cradle theory. It never makes any waste. It's always producing something that will create more life. And there's nothing that is ever taken for granted by that tree. And so that's really key. None of our systems work like that at all. In fact, it's the opposite. And it was created like that on purpose. But since we're taking charge of all this again, we need to imagine anything we're creating. If it's your personal business, if it's your personal love life, if it's your personal whatever, constantly keep that in mind. Does this help support the most vulnerable in the world? How does a love life help support the most vulnerable? Because you're going to want to pick a partner who's in the same resonance as you, who cares about that, right? That's going to help the world. Uh, You know, how does my personal desires that I'm co-creating with my imagination and establishing in the fourth dimension, do those fit in harmony with those laws? Do those fit in harmony with the planet? Sometimes you might need to tweak stuff. Like, I'm not going to use any objects in my business that aren't already recycled a hundred percent. Like I'm not going to buy toilet paper for my, my brick and mortar. That's not been a hundred percent recycled. That's like a small little step towards uh, promoting a system that's cradle to cradle, for example. 
So they can be little things, right, that we're tweaking to make sure that we're in harmony with that cradle to cradle energetic. And that's what's going to serve the earth the most. And you can be doing that in every aspect of your life, in every way of your life. And certainly, again, not beating yourself up over it if you can't. Like, it's really hard for me, for example, to make enough energy to keep my lights on without being on the grid right now. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep all my lights off when I'm out of the room or that I'm going to waste a bunch of energy or food or waste anything any longer. That's not an option. Everything on my farm is a working farm. So every there's no we don't create very much waste at all. And we're very highly conscious about that, working with the earth in that manner. So we make sure all that actually has a place on the property. And that's our co-creation with the earth. And we imagined it before we made it. <laughs> um, so that's my suggestion to that very esoteric and amazing question. <laughs> Well, it's really inspiring and it gives us a great pathway to imagine and to create and a good guideline, a really good guideline in service to the vulnerable. That's a really great tip. Thank you. Okay. Well, we are, ooh, boy. So <laughs> we're going to take, see how time flies with you, Elizabeth. Again, I want to point. True, it always to, flies fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I want to point everyone to Elizabeth's special offer. It's available at acoustichealth.com forward slash special offers. And it's on this webpage that you're watching or the YouTube. There's links there to get to it. Again, you can just join the online healing retreat, single session of about two hours, or you can get the full-blown package that Elizabeth is offering. So Elizabeth, thank you for that. As we say goodbye, I would love for you, because uh, this is a common one too, people, um, there we have different talents of our abilities. So mm -hmm. here's Cassandra who says she can see, she can see but she's not able to hear the information. She mm. says, I can even channel the energy that they bring. So what can Cassandra do to hear? Mm. So you want to trick your brain a little. Mm. Do some of those mind vacations and play around with smell and touch first. What this does is it lets your brain actually get comfortable with bringing in all the other clairs, right? So we don't actually have a word for Claire smelling. <laughs> um, we have, you know, <laughs> Let's see right? what that would be. What would it be? <laughs> Claire, come on, what's the smell? Claire, um, we'll get it. <laughs> good question. Hey, we're we're you know making we're pushing the envelope, right? We're we're cutting edge here. We're going to come up with a, a way to describe Claire smelling. Start with smell and touch. So you got to play around a little bit here. Trick your brain a little. Start to play around with other senses and then gently enter into hearing. So your brain will actually be more willing to, you know, make up some smells with you. Like, really, what does a unicorn smell like? What 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 does it really smell like if you're sitting on a beach that you're remote viewing? That's something you know, 
already, um, you know, what the ocean might smell like or a forest. Start there and then wiggle your way into hearing. And that will help your brain open up to more input, right? Because what's happening is your third eye is so used to just seeing that the other inputs really haven't been developed. But the easier ones from hearing are going to be, say, smell and touch. And then you'll lead into hearing. Another thing that's coming up around that is that when you're actually doing a lot of that seeing and such, um, you know, you might be around beings that don't have any, uh, you, you know, you might be seeing beings that don't have any concept of those things because, for example, angels don't smell. They just don't. Um, you know, you, you, touching an angel, well, that's really hard. <laughs> and angels can touch you, but that takes a lot of work for them. Um, so it's it's a challenge. So start with things that are much more accessible, like doing a mind vacation and really stick to that one place that you can really get familiar with. Um, another thing is don't forget that there's more than one kind of language in the universe. There's three main languages that I've been able to assess so far. And I talk to many, many different beings from all over the universe. And so what I've discovered is that most of the languages fall into three languages. And there's probably more, but so far, this is what I've been able to figure out. That there's frequency language, which we're using right now. We're using frequency and sound. And that's something we're used to. So what Cassandra's assumed is that she needs to hear information but that's not the only type of language. There's also light, literal light language, wavelengths of light, which technically also can be sound because wavelengths are also sound. So light and frequency are very alike, but when a being of light language speaks, they're not going to speak in sound. So that can be a very valuable thing if you can see and start to translate that light language. And so it'll be easier to translate from light language to, say, frequency language. But the third kind of language is kind of mind-blowing, and it takes, you know, a minute to wrap your head around it. It's the language of orbits. And it was actually a beautiful Andromedan that told me about this. And she, she was, the Andromedans look really different than us. <laughs> us uh, Milky Way folks, you know, we tend to be star-shaped. We've got a head and arms and legs, and the Andromedans don't look like that. <laughs> what do they look like? Oh, there's all sorts of variety. Um, they don't really have, like, a cookie cutter like we do. <laughs> okay. But the one that I talked to, uh, she looked like if you took one of those starfish that had, you know, like, 20 arms and then you mashed a whole bunch of them together into a giant big beautiful dark blue being um and then she wore this beautiful golden disc behind her and i'm just assuming she's a her because of the energy i felt but she said to me human beings don't realize that there is a language in orbits that you can read and understand the past, present, and future when you're watching and examining the dance 
of consciousness in the universe. That's the exact word she said. So I had to sit down and think about that. And it turns out that orbiting's happening in every level of existence. That <laughs> the atoms are, you know, electrons are orbiting around atoms and atoms are orbiting around other atoms. And it just goes all the way up and out. And you can see it in the galaxies and you can see it in the way the spheres dance. And she is naming that as an actual language. That to me was mind blowing. I'd never even thought of anything like that. I mean, seriously, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. Um, but this was amazing to me. And so don't be afraid to open yourself up to recognizing that there's much more than just what there is to hear and that you can develop your sensory experiences and your psychic abilities as you open your mind and try out new senses for the ability to communicate. And then you'll find that the hearing part will catch up. So I, that's my long answer to that. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's uh, wonderful that we can learn to recognize those different languages because it's all part of it. It's all wonderful. And it's part of our journey of yes. understanding. So beautiful. Okay. Well, this completes our episode for tonight. Elizabeth Wood, seer and scientist, I thank you so much for being here and imparting this beautiful wisdom for all of us. Thank you so much for this quantum conversation. Thank you so much too, Lauren. All my love to you. Our love to you, goddess. Thank you all as well for watching. And we hope that you enjoy this very potent gateway and these beautiful gateways into the new year and through the solstice. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank Bye. you. Bye. And now it's time to dance our way to the cosmic heart.
Thank you for listening to this quantum conversation and thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all quantum conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe, music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Namaste.